talking about chicken a la king. Mango and garbanzo tabbouleh. Real potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil. Zucchini ziti. Granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. My guest today, one of my favorite comedians and a good friend, a longtime friend. He is the winner of Last Comic Standing Season 6, and more importantly, he is the loser of the Philadelphia Comedy Competition in 2003, I believe it was. Oh my goodness. Two decades ago, I beat his ass in a weird-ass comedy competition. Please welcome the hilarious Josh Blue on the pod. What's up, Dan? How you doing, man? I'm good, Josh. I think our origin story is probably my favorite origin story that I have with anyone, (laughs) which uh, we'll get to in a second. But first, we got to get to your fridge. You guys can see Josh's fridge on my Instagram at StandUpDan. Okay, first of all, amazing fridge. Very well stocked. Is this you or your wife's work? Well, I'm divorced, so anything that my ex-wife put in there will probably be poison. So it's all me. It's okayly stocked. It's not as full as usual. I have two teenagers, so they keep it pretty depleted. I told you this over text, which is going to make me sound like an asshole, but I was like, this is a very neat, organized fridge. For someone who has cerebral palsy, I was expecting things to be strewn about, thrown on their sides. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I may have tidied a little bit for the photo. (laughs) Okay, let's start with the food and then we'll get to the... Actually, let's start with the weird stuff and then we'll get to the food. (laughs) Middle row, there is a, what I think is a bear skull. It's actually a leopard. A leopard skull is on on the middle row. This is probably the first leopard skull we've ever had on Green Eggs and Dan, so congratulations. Well, thank you. I'm here to achieve new heights. Wait, was this put here because of the podcast or you just have like a fun, weird fridge? I guess I'm two teenagers, so I was trying to like do random stuff. So my daughter was like, why is there a skull in the fridge? You know, just fun. (laughs) So this is not for the podcast. This is just just fun that you do for your kids. Yeah, just random. Yeah. Okay. That's one weird thing. Another one I found is on the lower row there seems to be like some sort of aztec sculpture of some sort or like uh it's west african actually okay i like to keep my bronzes cool (laughs) and then you have in the middle here a lone can of coca-cola which is suspended in like a sort of a blue plastic hand that's holding it that's right that's actually what my uh, phone is on right now as well. I just got that. It was a new little uh, thing. And I was like, you know, why don't we throw it in the fridge just for a conversation starter? Oh my God. As if the skull wasn't enough. <laughs> uh, and then on the top row, I don't even know what this is. There's like a little salt shaker that seems like it has, I don't know if those are vitamins or it looks like the arms of dolls or something. They're G.I. Joe arms. Amazing. I mean, this is a wild fridge. It's sort of like an art installation, which I kind of like. Yeah, you know, I like to not just enjoy food, but I, I like to keep entertained. Okay, so now let's let's enjoy some food. So the thing that comes at me is this V8 original vegetable juice i'm like who not in the 90s is still buying v8 well it's actually from the 90s and i just never drank that (laughs) it's been in there for years do you remember those commercials the v8 commercials when people would be like leaning against the wall and walking that's how i walk normally with or without v8 the the v8's not working josh not in this case no (laughs) 
you know, I bought that randomly. I was like, you know, that sounds good. And then I drank one and I was like, this is trash. I actually would love to try it. I haven't tried it in since the 90s, probably. I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring one to you next time. <laughs> That's totally fine. You don't have to. You have cream cheese here. Is this Philadelphia cream cheese that you're getting in Denver? Yeah. Wow, it's a very East Coast thing. Are you a cream cheese guy? Uh, you know, again, to the kids, it's whipped and easily spreadable. It is whipped and easily spreadable. Yeah, this is like the Jewy section. You've got cream cheese and pickles right next to each other. Yeah, I like to segregate my fridge. <laughs> okay, let's go to the leopard section here. First of all, where do you get a leopard skull from? I'm kind of a skull guy. I have so many skulls. Oh, no way. You're, you're a taxidermy guy or just skulls? Just skulls. Mm, that's not creepy. I have a lot. Not creepy at all. It's my budding serial killer career. <laughs> And then next to the skull, you've got this bottle of sake. Yeah, that's some real deal from Japan sake. Oh, I had some sake last night, actually. That might be pound for pound my favorite booze. It feels nice going down. It feels good the next day. You, you know, it's, it's the best. It is an easy drink, and uh, yeah, it tastes good. I like the cold stuff versus the hot stuff. Yeah, I do too. I think the hot stuff is what they do with like really shitty sake to make it palatable. They warm it up. Uh, if I want soup, I want some soup, you know? Yeah, I gotcha. Um, okay, and this is the Mexican section here. You've got your salsa picante. Oh, paste picante sauce. And I know that's like a trash brand, but that's what I grew up eating, so it's like comfort food almost and then you've got the french onion dip that's the hottest dip in town everyone wants the french onion dip now yeah that's delicious it's both delicious and disgusting at the same time <laughs> i don't know how it can be the two set at the same time like this is so good and you're like oh god what is this shit i feel the same way i have one i was tr i was doing like a trader joe's taste test thing i never get i'm not like a french onion dip guy but i had one and I remember having to be like, oof, this is disgusting. And then I went to it every single day until it was done. I mean, with potato chips, though, that shit is unreal. Yeah, it's pretty good. You got your Kirkland hummus. Is this Kirkland hummus that, that you just, uh, it's like snackable? It hummus. Yeah, you know, like that's part of my daughter's request for school lunch. Oh, she's a, she's a health nut? I don't know about all that. All right, over here, what is this sad, sad can that I see here? There's like a, it looks like a can of tuna that has a fork sticking in it and then it's covered with aluminum foil. You want to guess what it is? Or? Is it cat food or is it tuna? It is cat food. Oh, it is. <laughs> so I have two cats, so uh, they're... they're they're fancy little bitches. You got fancy Siggy's yogurt, which is like spackle, but the kids love so it. So my girlfriend is vegan, uh -huh. so that's her That's her shit. Did you tell your girlfriend about the skulls uh, before she came to your house for the first time? or no, um, no, no. No. That was a fun reveal. Yeah, it was cool, you know. So she um, saw them and was still cool. So that's interesting. Was she still cool because the chloroform was, was starting to kick in by the time she saw the skulls? Uh, wear off, actually. <laughs> okay. She woke up in the room full of skulls. <laughs> that's the recovery room. This is what could happen <laughs> if you don't date me. <laughs> She's a patient woman, a very patient woman. You've got the uh, the Hershey's... Uh, chocolate syrup, yeah. Chocolate syrup. Old school. Again, that's my daughter uh, requesting that. My son doesn't give a shit what I buy. 
but my daughter is more of a I need more chocolate sauce kind of lady. It's kind of all over the place this fridge, okay? I'll tell you why. It's very high brow and very low brow, okay? On the top yeah. right here, you got Vital Farms eggs, which are like the most expensive high-end eggs. You've got Mountain High yogurt, which is very, very bougie yogurt. And then over here in the door, you've got freaking Aunt Jemima syrup, and you got Kraft grated Parmesan, and you got Hershey's syrup. I mean, I can't pin you down, bro. If you mix them all together, it's a hell of a cocktail. <laughs> yeah, man, I just buy whatever, you know, I never make a shopping list. I just look at shit, and I'm like, oh, we need that. <laughs> all in all, I think this is a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic fridge. Well, thanks. Um, I'm glad I'm, I'm up to snuff here. I will give you, I'm not sure what your rating is going to be. The rating of your fridge, I'm going to give it, here's the thing. Should I take into account a uh, disability or should I not take that into account? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, let me, let me be treated like a normal human for once in my life. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give this a seven point three. All right, out of ten. Yeah, I don't know. Out of out of thirty. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Out of ten, pretty good, pretty good. So I always love telling our origin story. I don't think I've told it on a podcast ever before. So I will start. It was about twenty years ago, and you and I were both starting out as comics. And there was a random comedy competition in Philadelphia called the Philadelphia Comedy Competition. And it was a $5,000 prize, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that was it. And you would know. I, <laughs> I can check my bank account. And it was at dumb little restaurants around Philadelphia. It was like three weekends in a row. Horrible. Horrible. You had to pay your own airfare and lodging too, right? Yeah, and you were coming from Denver. Right. And I was coming from New York. And I remember the first time I saw you go on stage and I like almost felt bad for you because it was like hard for you to get on stage. And then once you started doing your act, I was like, oh no, I'm fucked. This guy's hilarious. <laughs> That's actually how I felt when I saw you on stage as well. <laughs> I felt bad for you. There was no redeeming factor. <laughs> but then you and I kept winning and having to come back like every weekend and we made it to the finals, which was at a ground, I think it was at a restaurant, a ground rounds restaurant. Was it a ground round? I can't <laughs> believe it. it was the worst too. People are eating at the same time. <laughs> It was horrible. Yeah, it wasn't at a comedy club. Like, there was no crowd. It was just like a restaurant, and we'd go and stand up and do comedy. It's wild that this was a $5,000 prize. And then the end was me and you, and I was convinced you were going to win. Me too. I felt like it was just a flip of the flip of the coin. I had the, the crowd liked my set better than they liked yours. It wasn't like any either of, of us was clearly better than the other. The three people in the crowd <laughs> flipped the coin, yeah. But I won, and I felt so awful. And then a couple years later, you fucking won last comic standing. <laughs> and I was like, that motherfucker. <laughs> Wait, you felt awful that you won because you beat me or what? I felt bad that I won that I beat you. Well, I felt bad that you were fucking traveling from Denver. Well, that was the shitty part. Like, I spent all that time. You like spent, three weeks in a row. Yeah, you spent all this time and all this money. I mean, I was living in New York, so I could come back and forth, kind of. And I had friends living in Philly. But yeah, I felt bad. And then I was like, man, I hope that guy's going to be okay. And then <laughs> one last comic standing. 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, he's he's better than okay, which made me so happy. That's awesome. And then we hadn't seen each other for years after that. We ran each other into each other in the airport randomly once. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And then we just saw each other recently at the comedy store after a show, and uh, we were boozing. We were boozing kind of hard. Having some drinks, you know? Having some Celebrating drinks. both our big wins. Me, the Philadelphia Comedy Competition, and you, the winner of Last Comic Standing. <laughs> Tell me what it's like to be on the road for you food-wise. What is your typical food situation are you bringing food with you are you ordering in what's your sitch well as you know it's pretty dismal out there as a road comic there's not always the best options yeah you know uh i don't drive so i guess uber eats has kind of changed the deal for me a lot but i'm kind of used to be at the mercy of wherever the hotel was in relation to restaurants and all that you know it sucks when the closest thing is the Arby's. Yeah. I tried bringing stuff on the road. I just wasn't very good at that. But pretty dismal, you know. You know what it's like when you come off stage and then you're ravenous, hungry. Yeah. And the only thing open is somewhere to buy some chips or whatever. So what was it like for you before Uber Eats? Before you could get stuff delivered to you? See how far I could walk, I guess. Really? Yeah. It's funny. I have I broke my leg. I'm in a cast right now. Congrats. Thank you. I broke my leg like two weeks ago. And I've been crutching around everywhere. It, it's a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be in that it takes a lot more planning. Like, mm-hmm. if I leave the bedroom and I left the phone, then I'm like, fuck, I got to go. Like, if I, get in my, if I go downstairs and get in an Uber and I left my phone in my place, it's like, uh, it's like a whole fucking thing. Right. Um, so that's why I was like, do you bring your own food? Like, how much pre-planning do you have to do? I mean, I rarely bring my own food. If anything, it's granola bars and trail mix and shit like that. And are you a foodie? Are you a are you a fan of good food? I am. Man. I don't really eat much fast food stuff. Try not to. Are you? And you're mostly in Denver. So what's the what's the food scene like there? It's actually been pretty good. It's coming up in the world. I like a lot of Asian foods. We have a Thai restaurant here uh, that is amazing. One of the best. Thai places I've ever been. I'm really big into Vietnamese food. So I like pho. I think their textures are amazing. They just have a good handle on crunchy versus soft stuff. That Southeastern Asian food, it's so explosive. It's like there's sweet, there's sour, there's crunchy, there's soft, Mm. there's like tamarinds and weird shit. I, I love it. It's great. There's a Vietnamese restaurant here that has over 300 things on the menu, which is insane. The poor chef in the back. I know, but it's one of the best restaurants in Denver. When you come back home, would you rather eat at home or would you rather go out to a restaurant? Uh, usually I'm at home because I, you know, I got the kids, so I make dinner every night, pretty much almost every night. Are you the, you're the cook? I am the cook, yep. So last night I made one of my best uh, pesto pastas I've ever made. Really? I feel like I'm getting more uh, adventurous and have a little bit of knowledge now. Is there something that's more challenging with the cerebral palsy cooking wise? Oh yeah, chopping shit up, man. You should see me with a butcher knife and trying to cut a small carrot. My daughter is like, Dad, don't do that. 
I love to have my kids do the chopping. I guess you could also use a good food processor. Yeah, the slap chop. Oh, the slap chop. Do you remember that thing? The slap chop was so cool. Are you, do you have a good food processor? I don't really. Dude. I have a, you know, a nice blender, but that's a little much. Food processors are fantastic, especially when you have a lot of chopping to do. Like if I'm doing something that's like a ton of onions, you know, onions, Mm -hmm. carrots, celery, Throw it in the food processor. Don't have to deal with it. I highly recommend it. I have a hookup with Breville. If you want, I can try to get you one. Yeah, I would love one. That sounds great. (laughs) So, okay, interesting. So you made the pesto. Did you make the pesto from scratch? No. No. But I did doctor it up with veggies and chicken and seasoning. But I did make a potato and broccoli soup the other week that was amazing. And I don't ever use any recipes. I just made it up. And everyone was like, this is fucking good. Wow. What gave you that? How do you have that sense of what's good and what's what's not good cooking wise? I'm just really high and hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. My mom was actually a really amazing chef, uh, baker, she actually, when I was a little kid, she had her own catering business, and she would cook dinner every single night of the week. Like, we never went out to dinner or, you know, restaurants. Oh, wow. So I grew up uh, with a mom that just was in the kitchen, you know, three hours a day making meals. Got it. So that makes a lot more sense. Like, this was part of your upbringing. Yeah, it's not like she ever was, like, telling me how to do any of this. I guess I just picked it up through osmosis or, you know. When you go to a restaurant and you get recognized, is the service better or worse? Is it more annoying or you don't care? You're fine with it? No, I mean, usually if they know who I am, it's better service. Otherwise, they're like, this drunk homeless guy... (laughs) is gonna eat here you know so i definitely get better service if i'm recognized although being disabled too people will almost go the other way like can i help you cut that i'm good just eating a steak with my hands and shit. <laughs> yeah in the restaurant how often do you experience some sort of uh cringy disability moment probably like once a week for real i mean on the road yeah if i go to at least tomorrow so i'm on the road for four days this week so that's every meal i'm guaranteed to get one person who doesn't know who i am that will you know I get seated by the kitchen door a lot. Like, oh, let's put him in the back where no one can see him. Oh, fuck. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, that sucks. Yeah, it's it's annoying for sure, but it's also just been my whole life. Right. You know, and the thing about my cerebral palsy is I don't have a cane or a crutches that lets you know I'm disabled. Like, if I had that, then you would understand better. Like, oh, that's why he's moving this. But I walk by myself, so I just look like I'm fucked up all the time. <laughs> And I have long hair and a beard. And Have you ever had to be like, guys, I'm not drunk. I just have <laughs> cerebral palsy. Again, once a week, probably. No way. I get 86 from bars all the time that I haven't even had a drink yet. <laughs> is that a bit or is that for real? No, it's real. Oh, fuck, man. Yeah, it's pretty annoying. It's weird because I'm also really fucking famous now. So, right. <laughs> you know, everywhere I go, people recognize me. But then everywhere I go, there's still that stigma. So within five feet of each other, like, oh, my God, you're Josh Blue. And then two steps there, like, get away from me, you drunk ass. Wow. But either way, I ask for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's interesting. It's always this weird thing of like, you obviously want to treat everyone like, you know, normal, like don't treat them like they're disabled. But you also want to be helpful if someone needs help. Let's say someone was like, you know, 
Josh Blue comes in. I want to treat you normal. Go. You're going to go upstairs and be seated there, whatever. I'm sure it's not the easiest thing for you to get upstairs. I mean, it's not a problem, really. I guess it's more of, I think this more like about accommodating a disabled person. If they need help, we'll ask. I think is more of the situation. Like we live in this body our whole lives. We know what we can and can't do. So if there's something you can do that's going to save me five hours, then I'm going to ask you to help me tie my shoes or whatever. Right, right, right. I can tie my shoes, but it's a good example of like fine motor skills or like sometimes like counter service places. I'll order a big soup and then I'm like, how the fuck am I going to carry this soup across the restaurant by myself? So I'll ask the person at the counter, like, hey, can you do us all a favor and carry this? That way you're not cleaning up this pail of soup to my table. (laughs) I love it. You have the best sense of humor and way about it. I think it's, I I hate to get preachy, but I think think people can learn a lot about your kind of openness around this. Because I feel like a lot of people, disabled people that I know who are just like closed about it, don't want to talk about it, it, it. It makes it in a weird position. You don't know really what the right thing is to do. I like the rule of if, if someone needs help, they'll ask for it. I think that's a safe rule because it can be degrading to us I'll hold the door for anybody, but if you go out of your way to hold the door for a wheelchair, I don't know. It is, it's such a weird balancing act where it's like, yeah, it could make it easier, but that's the life they lead. And you know what I mean? It's like, that's their life. So sometimes I think you're bringing more attention to it than they want brought to it. Like, yeah, I'm in a wheelchair, but I'm also a person first. You should be a fucking spokesperson for this shit, Josh. You're good at it. I am a spokesperson. I didn't sign up for it, but I am. (laughs) But unfortunately, I feel like disability is still one of the only taboo things in our culture. Right. You know, people are still afraid to talk about it or to talk to a disabled person or they don't know. Meanwhile, it's okay to talk about a MILF or whatever, you know? Right. Why is that acceptable? But you're still afraid of a blind person. I think a lot of it is people are scared to offend someone. First of all, I wouldn't feel this comfortable talking to a disabled person that I didn't know like I do with you. And you're also you're also a comic, right. so I feel like we have that well, you kind of Well, you couldn't offend me. <laughs> you know, you'd right. be hard-pressed <laughs> to do that, you know? And I guess I'm very fortunate in the fact that I am okay, but Here's what you need to know is most disabled people that I know have the sickest sense of humor, the most dark shit, horrible stuff. So if you heard two disabled people talking about each other, you'd be like, oh, oh my God. You know, so I think that also insults our intelligence that you don't think that we are capable of understanding the situation. But the other big problem, and hear me out, is that when you say someone is disabled, that can be cerebral palsy, blind mentally disabled, like, you just pile us all together. There's no discernment between, uh, you know, a deaf person and me. Like, you know, like a ha- right. handicap accessible shit. That's, that's not for me. That's for a wheelchair right. person, you know? But, you, right. but I'm still in the same category. So I think that's the hardest part of seeing each individual person for what they are and who they are. I want to plug my my manager has a charity called One in Four, which is a uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, mm-hmm. but 
It's to it's to get more disabled representation in Hollywood. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she's disabled and she's one of the most killer managers I've ever ever worked with. I mean, and she started this charity and she's uh she's badass. That's really cool, man. I have a good manager too. I mean, my manager is amazing. So maybe our managers should fight each other and see who's the best. I mean, I'm very down for a manager fight. Awesome. <laughs> He's big and able-bodied, so I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Aaron. You got this. Maybe we could do a tag team fight. <laughs> but like that, I mean, that's amazing. We need more stuff like that and representation in Hollywood. And like, I mean, I don't know how many times I've got um, auditions for shows and movies. Never, because they don't want a palsy person. Right, right. I mean, I've gone out for auditions, but unless the script says the guy has cerebral palsy, I'm not going to get the part. You know right, what I mean? And right. my question is, why can't Spider-Man have cerebral palsy? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the big thing is like, it's just such a closed, narrow point of view in Hollywood of what, like somebody one time was like, oh, I got an audition for you. It's awesome. This director was like, we need someone like Josh Blue or Josh Blue or something, someone like that. And then I did the audition and it was a person that had a fragile bone disease. And I was like, that's really dear. Does the person also have cerebral palsy too? Fragile bone disease and palsy. You know, like, <laughs> I don't care how good of an actor I am. I can't unact this shit. <laughs> the other thing is behind the scenes i mean i can't think of any good reason for someone with cerebral palsy to not be in a writer's room right you know or a director or something like that i mean that's that's basically what her charity is trying to do yeah, cool what and why is v8 V8 vegetable juice dates back all the way to 1933, when William Gilbert Peacock and his son wanted a sustainable way to make sure that they and others could get essential foods and nutrients during the Great Depression. As if the Great Depression wasn't bad enough. The pair began hand-blending an assortment of vegetables together in their basement to see what they could create, and a veggie-based drink more than 80% tomato juice was born. Yuck. The war-driven era led to poverty for a lot of people, and Peacock's vegetable juice became a hit with families who had little to spend on food. Eventually, World War II rations began affecting families even more, and Peacock's veggie juice quickly became a staple in pantries across the country because it included ingredients families relied on for daily nutrition. In 1947, as the drink grew in popularity, Peacock reconfigured its recipe, sold the formula and the factory to Campbell's, and that weird veggie juice is made in that very same factory in Ohio till this day. All right, enough of this preachy bullshit. Let's get to the important stuff. What is your earliest food memory? Oh, man, that's a good question. Obviously, it's probably something my mom made. You know, it's weird. I, I think my earliest memory of eating something was I fucking was first able to start, like, feeding myself because with the palsy, it took a little longer. And it was like one of the first times I got a spoon to my mouth mm. and a fucking yellow jacket landed on it. And I fucking <laughs> shut so up. I got, I got stung in the fucking mouth. Oh my God. I don't remember what food it was, but I remember getting the 
fucking sting. That sounds like Greek mythology. Like a kid yeah. with cerebral palsy can't eat by himself, finally gets this <laughs> able to. Yeah. And a yeah. bee lands and stings him in the mouth. Yeah, it didn't really encourage me to try much harder. Okay, what is your death row meal? Let's think of a reason that you are on death row. Oh, I can think of many reasons. <laughs> My skull collection. The skull collection is definitely, uh, I think we found our guy. Like, the cops will know yeah. right away. But I think, okay, let's say you order soup. You ask someone to help you bring the soup to your table. He says no. You grab the soup. You fucking throw it in his face. And then you attack him. I like it so far. Yeah, yeah. and he just drowns in this hot soup. Big bull of fa. And as he's breathing, is gasping his last breaths, you say, go fuck yourself. Exactly. Fa actually might be on the list. <laughs> That'll be your death row meal. Yeah, I would probably want uh, order those Vietnamese spring rolls with the shrimp and the pork rice paper. I'd like that, and then probably my mom's homemade vegetable soup. Nice. That would be definitely on there, and then maybe a nice, perfectly made baguette mm. with some good butter. So the number one thing on the death row meals is usually a steak, but a good bread and butter has been one for a while as well. But you love the soups, it seems. Probably the fucking hardest food for you to eat. You just love it. Yeah, for whatever reason, soup is my favorite food. And I think it's because my mom did make so many different soups. Over, and it was like a meal as opposed to like a side dish. It was like the meal with bread and cheese and shit. Right. But yeah, of all the things, why soup? Like that was usually my go-to first date uh, with a lady. I'd take her to get pho. Says if you can sit through watching me eat soup, then we got something going here, babe. <laughs> if you like this, you're going to love my skull collection. <laughs> exactly. What's the best high-end meal you've ever had? Oh, shit. You know what? I got to do a show over in Guam. And we wow. Stayed. It was like, I was there three nights. It took three days to get there. I was there three nights with my girlfriend. And we stayed at this five-star hotel. And they had the chef cater a meal for us, just me and my girlfriend. And he made, I mean, it was amazing shit. Wow. What style of food is that they serve in Guam? They had like spring rolls and stuff like that. Some mushrooms. and Like I'm not really a mushroom guy. Whatever they did to those things was amazing. <laughs> I have a couple other ones that pop out. I got to go to the Republic of Georgia oh, over yeah. by like Russia. Southern, south of Russia, yeah. Yeah. And I went uh, with the lead singer of the Lumineers. The band the Lumineers. Yeah, yeah. So his wife is good friends with a Russian or a Georgian woman that we're pretty sure she's like some sort of mafia princess or something. Right. <laughs> but we did a tour around uh, Georgia and she had all these meals set up as we went, like nine course meals. I mean, some of those were unbelievable. Again, mushrooms, like there are more mushrooms there than I knew existed in the world. That didn't make you hallucinate, and they were fucking good. Yeah, what is Georgian food like mostly? A lot of cheeses and uh, wine. Some histories say that wine was invented in Georgia. Yeah, they have those big old, I forget what they're called, the clay pots that put them in the ground. Yeah. We would start drinking in the morning. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, one place they slaughtered a lamb for us. Cool. It was some good food for sure. What's the best low-end meal you've ever had? So this can be like a street hot dog or a taco. Man, I've been chasing this taco for decades. Ooh. My sister used to live in uh, Isla Mujeres, Mexico. 
Yeah. Like a, a island off of Cancun. Mm-hmm. She lived there for like seven years. I went to visit her and the street vendor had this taco and I can like still fucking almost taste it. I can't quite get there, but I knew it was like the best thing I've ever had. It was so fucking good. It had like habanero sauce on it. It was hot as fuck, but it was so good. I like an Isla de Mujeres street taco. That's a good one. And I'm sure if you talk about cheap, it was probably like 10 cents. For oh, that. yeah. Uh, what is your favorite drunk food? Drunk food, like pizza, because it's just easy to shove in your face. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've got, I went down such a deep dive of like, really cool high-end artisanal pizzas and lately i just want some fucking dominoes yeah i crave it i crave a domino's pizza it's hard to find good pizza you wouldn't think you could fuck it up but sometimes you're like what are you using in this yeah this is not tomato sauce it's goat blood in georgia when they slaughtered the goat that's probably what they that was the appetizer oh yeah they had some of that shit too i'm sure (laughs) who's your favorite celebrity food personality it was bourdain man yeah i listen to all his books and just a classy dude that you want to hang out with and drink and smoke some weed with you know for sure uh by the way plug for my own book undercooked you should listen to that next pass (laughs) (laughs) what's your desert island food so you're trapped on a desert island one food to eat for the rest of your life you're never gonna get tired of it oh fuck i mean i keep going back to fall man i can eat it all day i love it you love it so much is there a food that you can't stand eating what what food you can't stand eating i'm pretty good at a lot of foods like i can politely eat most anything i don't like lima beans the way my mom used to cook them That shit was the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Except when I used to live in uh, Senegal, West Africa, their national dish is called chebujen, and it's amazing. I could eat that every week for sure. It's basically rice and fish, but they flavored it with a tiny chunk, and they put in the pot of sea slug. It's called yit, and... uh, I was at a meal, everybody eats around the same bowl with your hand, and I didn't know I had grabbed the yit, I thought it was just a piece of chicken, and I popped it in my mouth, and just as I bit it, everyone looked at me like, is it good? And I was like, I don't even know how to describe it, it was so gross. Wow, okay, so the food you can't stand eating is yit, which is some sort of sea slug. Like sea slug, sea cucumber type thing, and again, it was just, yeah, it's just like a tiny little chunk of it for flavor so you i forgot that you lived in africa you didn't you were you born in africa yeah i was born in cameroon in cameroon what how did that happen well when a man loves a woman uh, uh my dad's a professor so he's teaching over in cameroon okay and then i lived there oh yeah i born there went to minnesota and then when i was 15 i lived in senegal and i've been to senegal three times I've been there a couple of years altogether. Um, yeah, their cuisine to me too is amazing. I do think it's interesting how food works where when I first got there, I was like, man, I just wish I could have a ha- hamburger. You know, I just missed American food. And then like halfway through the year, I'd be like, man, I wish I could have some chubu gin. You know, like your brain changes to what you 
wish he could have. Yeah. Do you still hold over any of those African uh, influences and in the way and stuff that you cook now? I don't really, but I'm always looking for a Senegalese restaurant. Yeah. I usually get like Ethiopian food once a month at least. I love yeah. that stuff. I'm not into the bread in Ethiopia. That that bread from mm. doesn't do it for me. Jara. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been more full than when I eat Ethiopian. It feels like um. When you eat it and then you drink water, it's like those sponges that expand into an right. animal or something. It's like right. that's what happens in your stomach. Like, oh, God, I'm going to die. You know, I had this thing in Senegal, but it was from a family that was from Cameroon called Bitterleaf. Mm. And uh, apparently you have to wash the leaves seven times or it's like uneatable uh, to the point of like being poisonous, I think. Hmm. And it's just like green leaves and they mush it up in the mortar and pestle. And it was like when I first ate it, I was like, this is disgusting. Yeah. And then I kept eating it. And then I was like, this is the best thing I've ever had. So it was like it took like four bites for you to like go from like yuck to like, oh, I want some more of that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, man. It's why they're called acquired tastes. Last night I had, I went to the Yakitori place and I ordered uh, a skewer of chicken, like the chicken sternum, which is like all cartilage. And I used to hate it. And now I crave this weird, really? crunchy cartilage. Chewy. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. I know. Like, yeah, I can, I can eat all that kind of stuff without you know batting an eye really but it's like you know growing up in africa and just you gotta eat it and be polite you know right 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 and now it's time for my favorite question which is what is or what are your restaurant pet peeves i definitely like my food served to me in a timely fashion mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. pace i get very hangry so if uh i'm hungry already when i get there and then i order and it takes 40 minutes i get quite enraged i mean i'm never gonna like voice that i'm not that kind of guy at all but uh to my table mates but the fuck is our food got it so pace anything else if i get a glass and there's no lipstick on it i get mad <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to feel like you're kissing a woman my my main goal in life <laughs> <laughs> i love it josh blue tell the people where they can find you uh all my social media is josh blue comedy it's my name and then what i fucking do and then uh i also have a youtube channel called josh bluetube and uh all my specials are on amazon prime i love it i love you josh i'm so thrilled with your success and you know the thing i love about being a comedian is we can see people we haven't seen for a decade and it you don't skip a beat, and uh, I, I I feel that way with you. I'm uh, very it's happy to call you. It's been good catching up, man. Yeah, for sure, brother. Thanks, and maybe we should do some shitty competition somewhere together again. <laughs> the Sacramento comedy. I want my revenge. <laughs> You've gotten your revenge. You're good. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.